joining us here tonight. Give you advance notice, there's no sermon tonight. Uh, There's an opportunity for us to engage in a a Lectio Divina, a chance to reflect a number of times on a passage of scripture that you have with you, uh, with with a pencil that you can make notes on as God may speak to us. So rather than me thinking, what is God saying through this passage, we all have a chance to do that and to listen and reflect as individuals and as a community. But as we gather in the presence of God, we we pause for a moment to take in our surroundings. And this building in which we meet, whether you regard it as being precious or functional, it's God's house. And the people that we're with, whether they're precious to you or strangers to you, Together we are part of the household of God. We are precious in the eyes of those who love us. That means we are precious in the sight of God. And so Lord, we come together in your house to meet with you. And can I invite you to stay standing for a responsive reading from Psalm 42 which is on the screen, saying together the words in yellow. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food, day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember, as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you cut downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Please be seated. And let's pray. Lord our God, thank you that you are always with us. Your promise is that there is no place we can go where you will not be present. No prayers that we can offer that you will not hear. You make sense of our stumbling words and random thoughts. There is no empty silence in which your spirit does not move within our hearts. We're thankful for that. Especially when we feel that our prayers are dry or ill-formed or vainly repetitive or inarticulate. Thank you that you read our minds and our hearts. And you bring us together. Some of us can pray good prayers, others of us just have ill-conceived ideas, jumbled phrases and inadequate grammar. Or maybe silent yearnings in just barren deserts of weeping. But thank you that we come together with all of that as one people, laying before you our words, our thoughts, our feelings, our silence, (coughs) knowing that you understand what we cannot begin to express, and you make sense of what we can't understand. So Lord, we pray for ourselves as your church in all our fragility and our strength, our need for nurture, the mission you've set before us, our journey together, our past, and whatever the future may hold, our search for a new member of staff, 
Make us what we are supposed to be, a light in dark places. A place of healing for broken lives. A beacon of hope for a searching world. And Lord, we pray for our nation. Have mercy upon us. Guide us. Protect us. Turn our hearts towards yourself. We pray that you'd sort out the increasing mess that's represented by Brexit. And we pray for Theresa May and ask that you would give her wisdom, courage and integrity. Enable her to choose her words well. May well-chosen words find a hearing. Deliver us from those whose agenda is fueled by extremism or ideology. And we commit to you the ongoing negotiations and pray for order rather than chaos, agreement rather than conflict. And Lord, we bring to you our world with all its tension and striving, its beauty and its violence, its brokenness and its potential. You are Lord of the nations. We pray that your kingdom would come. Your will would be done. We think of South Africa. The murder of those taxi drivers. We pray that their killers would be brought to justice and that there would be an end to this feud and violence. Pray that you would turn back an escalation and bring peace and law and order. And we pray for Donald Trump. How do we pray for Donald Trump? Hold him to account over his words and his actions. Enable him to be guided by wise counsel. Give him a sense of greater responsibility. Overrule in him and through him. Enable him to grow into the role of president and learn how to do it well. In all his meetings with other world leaders, we pray for truth. Justice. A meeting of minds. And progress. And Lord, we pray for those whom we love, those whom we carry high in our hearts because they're precious to us. And we pray especially for those who are distressed, anxious, grieving or broken, under immense pressure. unwell looking for work come alongside them hold them love them and support them and give them your grace we pray you know how much we love them show us how much you love them too 
and help us to entrust them to you. And finally, we we pray for ourselves, people whom you've made in your image. Help us to live up to that in the kind of people that we are and the lives that we lead. Give us strength for our weakness. Give us love for others in all that we do. And give us your healing in body, mind and spirit. And thank you that even as we are praying for others, others are praying for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are praying for us. So bless us with your touch of tenderness. Enable us to realise the reality of your presence with us on our journey. Surround us with your spirit, constancy and strength. And bind us to each other and to yourself. For your sake and for your glory. Amen. Stand and sing together, 1757, everyone needs compassion. Lord, we need compassion because we get things wrong. Thank you that you are our Saviour. As our Saviour, we ask you for forgiveness for any wrongs in our lives that need righting. Any times we've wrongly put ourselves first. Any barriers we've put up. Any times we've not been welcoming. Lord, bring to my mind anyone I've offended. Help them to forgive me. Bring to mind anyone I need to forgive. Help me to forgive them. And make me whole, Lord, in myself and in my relationships with others. Bring your healing, your reconciliation, and your newness of life, we pray. And as people whose lives have been redeemed by Jesus, let's express our willingness to give our lives to him as we take up our offering. Now, if you're a visitor, please let the bag go by. Don't be, feel under any obligation that you have to give because you're here. An opportunity for those of us who belong here to uh, give our worship to God by bringing our offering. Lord, you've redeemed us. Our lives belong to you and we are glad of that. We offer you the time that we have in this coming week. Enable us to live it well for you. We offer these gifts, may they be used effectively in your service. And for the resources we have at our disposal, we offer these to you as well, Lord. Everything for your glory. Because it all comes from you. And we're grateful to you. Amen. You have heard me say at the start of the service, those of you who are here, that there's no sermon tonight. Instead, we're going to spend some time together 
reflecting on Zephaniah 3, verses 14 to 20. It's a passage that we've thought a lot about as a church over the past seven or eight months or so. Chance for us to allow God to speak to us directly, which is possible because we all have this relationship with him by the Spirit. We're going to use the, the way of reading scripture called Lectio Divina, which is a repeated reading of scripture. And we're going to listen to this passage four times and we're going to respond to it in different ways each time. So, make sure you're sitting comfortably. Breathe slowly and deeply. And let's prepare ourselves to allow God to speak to us through this passage. It's a way of praying that starts with silence. Often we make the mistake of thinking prayer is about what we say to God. Actually, it can be the other way around. God wants to speak to us through the scriptures. And as we reflect on this passage, don't worry if nothing jumps out at you at first. God is patient. Be patient as well. Be open to him giving you a word and leading you to understand its meaning for you today. So as you listen to the passage for the first time, let me invite you to listen. As you listen to the passage, listen for a word or a phrase that attracts you. Allow it to arise from the passage as if it is God's word for you today. And sit in silence, repeating the word or phrase in your head. We're going to allow time for this. You might want to write it down. You might say the word or phrase aloud. There is a microphone here if you need that, or you can speak in sufficient volumes for others to hear. But just to allow God to take one word or phrase of this passage and connect that with you or your situation. So we have a moment of silence, then I will read the passage. Then we'll have time just to listen and to put into practice what it says on the screen. And after a while we'll have a second reading. Zephaniah 3, verses 14 to 20. Sing and shout for joy, people of Israel. Rejoice with all your heart, Jerusalem. The Lord has stopped your punishment. He has removed all your enemies. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. There is no reason now to be afraid. The time is coming when they will say to Jerusalem, Do not be afraid, city of Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. His power gives you victory. The Lord will take delight in you. And in his love he will give you new life. He will sing and be joyful over you, as joyful as people at a festival. The Lord says, I've ended the threat of doom and taken away your disgrace. The time is coming. I will punish your oppressors. I will rescue all the lame and bring the exiles home. I will turn their shame to honour and all the world will praise them. The time is coming. I will bring your scattered people home and I will make you famous throughout the world and make you prosperous once again. The Lord has spoken.
So for me, the phrase that stands out is, there is no reason now to be afraid. As we listen to the passage a second time, let me invite you to ponder. As you listen to the passage again, ask how this word or phrase speaks to your life, why it is connected with you. Ponder it carefully. Sit in silence and then perhaps frame a single sentence that begins to express what this word or phrase says to you. You may wish to write it down or say it out loud, but David's going to bring us the second reading. Sing and shout for joy, people of Israel. Rejoice with all your heart, Jerusalem. The Lord has stopped your punishment. He has removed all your enemies. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. There is no reason now to be afraid. The time is coming when they will say to Jerusalem, Do not be afraid, city of Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. His power gives you victory. The Lord will take delight in you. And in his love he will give you new life. He will sing and be joyful over you, as joyful as people at a festival. The Lord says, I have ended the threat of doom and taken away your disgrace. The time is coming. I will punish your oppressors. I will rescue all the lame and bring the exiles home. I will turn their shame to honour and all the world will praise them. The time is coming. I will bring your scattered people home. I will make you famous throughout the world and make you prosperous once again. The Lord has spoken.
Now respond to the third reading of the passage's prayer. As you listen to the passage for the third time, ask what Christ is calling from you. What is it that you need to do or consider or relinquish or take on as a result of what God is saying to you in this word or phrase? In the silence that follows the reading, pray for the grace of the Spirit to plant this word in your heart. You may wish to pray out loud. Sue brings us the third reading of the passage. And shout for joy, people of Israel. Rejoice with all your heart, Jerusalem. The Lord has stopped your punishment. He has removed all your enemies. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. There is no reason now to be afraid. The time is coming when they will say to Jerusalem, Do not be afraid, city of Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord, your God, is with you. His power gives you victory. The Lord will take delight in you. And in his love, he will give you new life. He will sing and be joyful over you, as joyful as people at a festival. The Lord says, I have ended the threat of doom and taken away your disgrace. The time is coming. I will punish your oppressors. I will rescue all the lame and bring the exiles home. I will turn their shame to honour and all the world will praise them. The time is coming. I will bring your scattered people home. I will make you famous throughout the world and make you prosperous once again. The Lord has spoken. After hearing the passage for the last time, we just sit in silence. After that, there'll be an opportunity if anyone wants to share something with the congregation as a whole, there's a chance to do so, but our initial response is one of contemplation. Sing. Sing. 
and shout for joy, people of Jerusalem. Rejoice with all your heart, Jerusalem. The Lord has stopped your punishment. He has removed all your enemies. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. There is no reason now to be afraid. The time is coming when they will say to Jerusalem, Do not be afraid, city of Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. His power gives you victory. The Lord will take delight in you. And in his love he will give you new life. He will sing and be joyful over you, as joyful as people at a festival. The Lord says, I've ended the threat of doom and taken away your disgrace. The time is coming. I will punish your oppressors. I will rescue all the lame and bring the exiles home. I will turn their shame to honour and all the world will praise them. The time is coming. I will bring your scattered people home. I will make you famous throughout the world and make you prosperous once again. The Lord has spoken. Perhaps I could take a moment to share how the passage spoke to me and then if anyone would like to share how the passage has spoken to them there's a chance for you to do so. The phrase that resonated with me was the um, there is no reason now to be afraid. 
And for me, that was a key phrase that made sense of everything else in the passage, really. If, if that's true, everything else follows from that. Um, reminded me of how, when I was a very small boy, I was quite afraid of my father. He was an unpredictable man. And often I didn't feel I had his approval. And uh, the, the phrase, um, the Lord will take delight in you. Actually, it's not just approval, but it's a delight that God has in us. And the reality that God's perfect love casts out fear. Um, if, if we know that we are loved by him this way, we do not need to be afraid he's with us. And there's great reassurance in that. Anybody else wish to share anything from the passage at all? The um, line that spoke to me was the one that comes before that. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. And just the whole amazing fact that that power, that majesty, that glory is with me. Just, yeah. Just knocks me out, knocks me out. The exiles coming home. It's a marvellous scene compared with what is going on in our world today. But even more than that, in our lives, in organisations, things wear out. They're no longer able to fulfil the, the, the duties, the tasks they were made to do. And the wonderful thought that it's his power will give opportunities for new beginnings, new life. So from what was getting rather tired and sorry for itself, maybe, comes new shoots, new beginnings. I will make you a beacon 
to the Lord in poetry and make it prosperous today. I hope you listen. When we were discussing churches a while back, I remember Tim saying, like he didn't know whether this was the verse I got asked, and there's so many bits jumping out at me that I think I could probably say a few for seven years, but I could probably pick out lots of bits that personally speak to me that I think the most important for me right now would be that the Lord has spoken. beforehand we were going to be looking at this passage and I brought it down in the Amplified Bible as well as the NIV and um, if I could just read you verse 17 from there which is immediately after the piece you picked out to this before others the Lord your God is in your midst a warrior who saves he will rejoice over you with joy he will be quiet in his love, making no mention of your past deeds. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. And the picture I got was a little flash of that mother bloodied and damaged after she chased the car, after the chap had stolen the car with her baby in it this week. And it was just a picture of trauma for me. And I sense that this is a word into a time, perhaps after various traumas or during traumas. And I think the expanded version of it spoke to me that for a time when God is in your midst like that and you recognize him, you're just so grateful and you need to breathe and stop be with God in that before you can gather the strength to go on. And so I would just say that the feeling of the message that I'm getting from that is to recognise what's happening, but to go with it in God's time and not force it, but to enjoy God knowing that he's here with us now. Verse 17 is a very special verse for our family. It was chosen when our first grandchild was born as his dedication theme. So for a small baby, verse 17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I think the thing that's spoken to me tonight is looking at that very familiar verse to us and a, a very beautiful one for a new baby. It's not only for the new baby, it's for me too. The Lord is saying, He will take great delight in me. We sing so many hymns where we're delighting in Him. But it struck me tonight that this is turning it around the other way, and to each one of us. The Lord is saying he takes great delight in us. Even when we're crying and we're in the most difficult of times, 
who was still sick and who drove all over you um, and who walked about in you. And that actually we need to rely on him as our father and that we don't know everything ourselves. Um, and that we can rest in him knowing that he will still be singing and still be joyful over us. There's a lot in this passage about what the Lord will do, and we rest in his promises, and uh, we accept his love and his delight, and so on. But what am I going to do? Do not let your hands hang limp. And I think that is a reminder to me. Keep on praying, and keep on serving. And yes, remember, the Lord is with you. But I'm afraid, because of the person I am, I have to think, what am I going to do with all these promises and all these good things that God says to us? And I hope that I can be um, more faithful in not letting my hands hang limp in terms of prayer and service. was reminded of a phrase from one of my teachers in school, and he described it as being the, the uh, don't shoot the messenger line, it's the very last line, the Lord has spoken, and it appears in many different ways, uh, and will the prophets, even in the form of, thus said the Lord, the Lord has spoken. And when I saw that last line, I put two extra lines on there myself. The Lord has spoken. The Lord speaks today, and the Lord will speak in the future. We just need to listen. Lord, thank you for the different ways in which you've spoken to different people. Enable us to cherish your word in our hearts and may it bring new life to us and through us to others. Thank you for our relationship with you through Jesus. All that that means to us and all that we mean to you. Close by singing as water to the thirsty. Let's share together in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.